Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please help us out by rating it. And don't forget to subscribe. Now, let's get into this week's message. All right. Hey, everyone. Hey, it's super good to be here with you today, be in the Word. If you're new with us, uh, my name is Matt Swoboda. I am one of the executive pastors here. Uh, our main preaching pastor, our lead pastor, Josh, he has been on a much-needed and much-deserved vacation Uh, giving him a little preaching break for the last three weeks, but rest assured next Sunday he will be back with us. Nobody's more excited uh, about that than this guy, but uh, Josh will be back with us next week to close out our Killing What's Killing You series. Uh, Hey, obviously today is a big Sunday. It's an important day uh, and we all have a mom. So can we just take a moment to celebrate and honor uh, just moms for this Mother's Day? Can we do that? Thank you. If you guys were anything like me as a child or still now, you guys probably need to say with me uh, in the, the, the words of the, the great American poet Eminem, I'm sorry, mama, I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry. Uh, but that is what we did. So uh, we got a little gift for moms. We love to do this on Mother's Day. Uh, we, have, uh, we, we just have uh, professional photographers here to get. I know, at least I know from my family, how hard it is to just get that one good picture of the family. So we wanted to do that for you guys. We have photographers right outside. So on your way out, you get that family photo. We'll throw it on the uh, the Bridge Facebook page that you can grab uh, and get that later. So a little gift for you guys to just stop by and do that uh, on your way out. Uh, Hey, one reason why I'm pumped about today being Mother's Day and hitting the topic we're hitting is I just I'm going to introduce you to somebody first, and uh, this is my mom. This is my mom, and yeah, that's good. Whoever just did that, that's great. Uh, This is my mom and her happiest place she can be, and my little niece with stank face. I don't know what's going on there, Uh, but this is my mom. Uh, Anyone who knows me knows my mom is one of my, uh, she's not one of, she is my biggest life hero. Uh, She, you know, single mom with three teenage boys, uh, me having to be one of them. Uh, We made her life uh, difficult, not easy. And uh, she is just someone, she is what I got to see growing up as, uh, what does strength in Christ look like in the midst of brokenness and weakness? And she was that, that picture for me. And uh, we made life uh, very difficult on her, and she persevered right through. Uh, hero of mine, uh, second woman, super important to me. Uh, not that she's the second woman, you know, most important. This is my wife, my numero uno, better half, you know, whatever you want to say. Uh, this is my wife. Uh, she, she is, uh, she is amazing. My wife and I were really, really intelligent people. Uh, we graduated college with $110,000 in debt. Uh, that was sarcasm. If there's any teenagers in here, that's not intelligence. Uh, that is, uh, stupidity, but that's what we did. Uh, I got, she married the 19 year old version of me, also descriptive, not prescriptive. Uh, so, uh, but for our whole, you know, early on, uh, what she had to do, and I like to believe, you know, when it comes to helping and serving my wife, like I'm pretty good at it. And, you know, I tell myself, you know, she does, you know, 60, 70% around the house. What I really know is it's like 90. And if I hit that double digit 10%, I'm feeling, feeling good about myself. Uh, but she was made to be a mom. I mean, uh, motherhood just comes naturally to her. She's phenomenal. Uh, but uh, with her, uh, you know, uh, all that is, she has had to work full time. Uh, figure out how to be married to me, which is not an easy task, especially when that starts at, at 19. Uh, and then we, uh, we got pregnant three months after we got uh, married. Well, she got pregnant three months after we got married. 
And uh, that was on bad advice from a doctor who should never be allowed to be a doctor ever again. Uh, So she uh, had to figure out this guy, had to work full-time, go to school full-time, and and, uh, walk through motherhood. She's amazing. And here's why I introduce you to those two. These are two, like, uh, two women who are the most important women in my life. They're amazing. And yet I have seen them in different seasons of their life walk and carry uh, just a, uh, an insane amount of guilt in their life. And as we walk through this Killing What's Killing You series, uh, you know, honestly, they were just on my mind uh, through this series because in different ways and with different things, I have seen guilt mark their life in a way where I knew, man, uh, and I've seen that in my own life, but uh, seeing it in my, myself and in them, I just knew, man, we've got to apply the gospel in a way today uh, that doesn't just let us know we're free, but that actually can help us feel free from guilt. And the whole basis of the series is if we don't kill it in us, it will kill it, uh, it will kill us. And so just so when I say guilt, this is exactly what I mean. Guilt is an awareness of failure against a standard. Guilt is an awareness of failure against a standard. Raise your hand if you have ever done anything wrong in your whole life. It uh, should be everybody. If you didn't, like you just lied. So that, that's, that's the first wrong thing you've done. Uh, all of us have had guilt in our life. All of us have struggled with guilt. We know this because we all have a guilty conscience about different things. Uh, I know this for me because every time I see the police around, it's like I'm doing something awful. I mean, it could be one of those few times where I'm actually driving the speed limit. I got two hands on the wheel. I mean, I'm staying straight, everything. And I see a police officer, I still hit that brake. For some reason, I feel like I got to slow down. I mean, there's a cop right there. Or I'll be, I'll be in a uh, coffee shop, you know, just working on my computer. I don't have my computer this high up to my face, but you get it. Just working on my computer. And a police officer walks in, and what do I do? I mean, I sit straight up. I'm, it's like, you just get nervous. It's like I have a brick of cocaine on me at all times. You know? You, you just have this paranoid, like, I'm about to get busted for something crazy, and I don't know why. You know, I'm sitting in a coffee shop doing the Lord's work, and I'm nervous that this police officer walked in. Uh, you, you get it. We just have this guilty, this guilty conscience. We all have guilt in our life. Uh, what we need to see, though, is there's two really different types of guilt. There's two places where we uh, uh, feel uh, and we just receive this guilt in our life. Uh, And what's difficult about it is we feel and experience the guilt the same way, even though it comes from very different places and the gospel has to get applied to it very differently. And so the first one, uh, you're going to think, man, this is really deep. I just called good guilt. Uh, The next one's bad guilt. Just so you know, good guilt. This is guilt. Uh, it's a, if guilt is an, uh, an awareness of failure against the standard, good guilt is when we are aware that we have failed uh, a set standard that God has had for us. That is a guilt that we feel when we know that is a standard that we have failed to reach. Um, that's, you know, Romans 3 when it says, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's them saying, hey, we all have guilt because we've all failed to reach uh, to reach that standard, to walk in God's ways just the way that he designed. Uh, I grew up Catholic, and uh, uh, I, w- you know, I was not a great kid, not a horrible, horrible one, but uh, 
uh, one day I always walked from school to home. And one day, and I always usually had a little bit of money to get a snack or a drink. There's a gas station like halfway. And, one, and I would you'd buy just a candy bar or a soda or something. Uh, one day I didn't have any money on me. Uh, do you think that stopped me from going into the gas station? No, it did not. I walked in. Uh, and I stole a white chocolate Nestle Crunch Bar. I stole it. It was delicious, okay? But, the, you know, the bitterness of the guilt, you know, washing out. Well, what I knew being Catholic was, it was like the first thing I had done where I realized, like, this is, uh, this is one of God's top ten things he says not to do. You know, thou shalt not steal. I just stole. I knew I was, had to go to confession soon. So I went to confession, and I was nervous. I was like, I gotta tell. All my other confessions before that had been, you know, I should have been nicer to my mom this one time. This time I felt like, this guy's really going to judge me here. Like, I've got something legit to share. Like, I stole from a gas station. So I'm in this, I'm in confession, and, uh, and you know, he does his little thing, and, and I get specific. I said, yeah, you know, uh, I, I stole a, a, a white chocolate uh, Nestle Crunch Bar from a gas station. This guy doesn't say a word. He just like stares into my soul. And I just feel like he is judging me to the mat. He says no words of, he doesn't say anything. And I just felt so bad, I blurted out, but I took it back. Did I take it back? Absolutely not. But I felt so guilty by the experience. And so then, as I walk in, confess that I stole, and then I felt so bad about it, I lied to my priest about stealing. If you think I ever went back to confession, I did not. I didn't do it one time. I walked out of there feeling 10 times worse than I walked in uh, to that experience. It was horrible. Uh, but I knew, hey, there is an awareness of a failure of a standard that just happened here. Uh, that good guilt, it awakens us that something's wrong and something needs, uh, needs done. Uh, the next kind of guilt is bad guilt. And this is a man-set standard. So when we fail to reach a God-set standard, that is a way, that means, man, God has designed something. He has, uh, he has a will and a way that he wants us to walk into because it's the best thing for us. But a lot of times we get, we feel guilt uh, from uh, for what I would just call bad guilt because it is from man-set standards that God has not placed on us. And this is honestly where I think we feel most of our guilt, especially when you're a Christian, you're in Christ, you know you're forgiven, but you're walking around carrying a lot of weight and guilt. Uh, A lot of it is man-set standards, uh, like, you know, I feel like I am told by my culture that I need to look like this guy, Mr. Ryan Gosling himself. Now listen, if I wake up in the mirror, if I wake up and I look in the mirror every day, and I look at this guy... Uh, if I start feeling guilty, like, man, I should, or if, my, or if I start, or if my wife looks at Ryan Gosling and I'm like, oh, shoot, I need, to, I need to look at that. We have these man-set standards where we feel guilty on standards that God has never placed on us. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at, man, what are the, what is the, where the guilt comes from when it's uh, from a God-set standard and a man-set standard? How do we differentiate between the two? And then how do we apply the good news of uh, the gospel to those. Um, uh, read with me in Psalm 130. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 130. Uh, but as you turn there, uh, I was reading, I was doing some research, and I want to say, man, uh, what, does the, what does our culture tell us of how we should kill guilt, what we should do about it? And I found a post on, uh, on Washington Post. And here's what well, Washington Post, here's what, this is what they said on how we should handle our guilt. They tell us, indulge in a good laugh. Write them on a piece of paper, fold that thing up, 
and toss it in the trash or show a little kindness to someone. Uh, And the last one that is the most absurd is you just need to tackle your tasks because nothing says kill guilt like knocking out our to-do list and having a good chuckle about it, right? That is what the Washington Post said. This is how you you kill guilt. What we're going to see in the Bible is we're going to see, no, what is guilt? What does it actually do to us? And why is there good news in who Jesus is and what he's done for us, for us to uh, expel and get the guilt out of our lives? So if you have your Bible, Psalm 130. Psalm 130, it says, uh, 1 through 3, says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark inequities. He's saying, if you should count my sins, O Lord, who could stand? We have this idea, this, uh, this imagery all throughout the Bible uh, that we see of this, uh, this idea of sinking, of, of man out of the depths, out of the deep. Psalm 69 says, save me, O God. I'm up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. And Psalm 40 says, he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mire and the mud, and put my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. What this psalmist is saying is, man, I feel like I'm in quicksand. I feel like I'm in a sinkhole. I'm going down. The more, uh, the more I try to pull myself out, the more I kick my legs, uh, the more I'm just grabbing, uh, the more I struggle, the faster it seems like I'm sinking. And uh, we get that imagery of, man, I'm up, in, I'm up to my neck and I'm about to die. I'm not going to be able to take it anymore. Well, this psalmist is wrestling through. Well, this psalmist feels like, man, what, what is it that is making me sink is his guilt. And we know it's guilt. If you're just in a sinkhole, you're not crying for mercy. You're crying for help. You're wanting someone to throw in a rope to pull you out. This psalmist knows, no, the wrestle that I have is with my guilt. I'm not crying for help. I'm crying for mercy. And he, he, uh, he's expressing, he goes, I can't stand up because of the sins of the weight of the record of my sins. He's wrestling with guilt. You guys know why I absolutely hate to work out? Because the weights are so heavy. That's why I hate to work out. The weights are heavy. I know there's those guys who look like, you know, I, I grew up in Swole City and I just, I mean, I live to lift. You know, as you can tell, that's not me, okay? I'm like cardio guy. Uh, I do not like to lift, I do not like to lift weights. And while some of us can handle more weight than others, what we see in the scriptures is at some point when we keep adding the weight and we keep adding just the weight of guilt on our lives, uh, we're gonna feel like that psalmist of, man, I'm sinking and I have this weight on me that I can't do anything about, that I don't know what to do with and and. I'm the one who has to cry out for mercy. Uh, a lot of us, man, uh, there's a lot of you in here who you just know, I know, I, that's me, I, I'm sinking. Uh, I feel like, no, I am sinking in my guilt. What's so hard is whether that's that good guilt, that's like, no, no, this good guilt, it awakens us if something's wrong. Or that bad guilt where we're just throwing, um, uh, we're just throwing Uh, ourselves on on these these man-set standards that we feel like, man, I'm not living up to these things I feel like I'm supposed to live up to that God doesn't even hold us to. 
And no matter which, which area that our guilt is coming from, we feel it the exact same. And we feel like we're, we're sinking in it. It can, be, it can be things where, you know, no, man, I messed up. I messed up in my past. I have a, I have a, a just a, a sexual past that uh, has really hurt and damaged my marriage. Uh, you could even be like, no, I know I had an affair. And while even my spouse forgives me, and I even know God forgives me, I can't seem to forgive myself. And we just feel the weight of this guilt. That it can just be a reoccurring sin where, you know, man, I've just had this sin in my life for so long, and I have never been ever able to kill it. And even though I know, man, when I'm a Christian, God has forgiven me, uh, we just still carry this guilt uh, of that sin around with us. Um, it can be an addiction where, you know, like, man, I've wrecked my life, my marriage, my job, my relationship uh, with, with my, my kids. Uh, I've, I've, lost a, I've lost my job over it. And it can be things, uh, like I said, from those man set standards where you just know, man, I just feel guilt and shame over the way I look. I don't feel like I measure up the way I'm supposed to measure up. And you can feel guilt just from a sense of, I can't seem to keep up with the Joneses. My kids see uh, their friends have these awesome vacations that I know I can't afford to take my kids on. I just feel guilt for not being able to give my kids and do things for my kids that I see other people able to do. It's those kind of man-set standards where we can just start piling guilt on ourselves for things we have no reason to feel guilty about. I know that there are some older parents who are struggling and just strapped with guilt because they see their adult children just really struggling and they pour this guilt on themselves saying, man, if I would have just been better, if I would have just been better when they were little, they wouldn't be having the life struggles that they're having now. If when they were little, instead of blowing up and saying this, if I would have just been able to speak that soft word of love and grace and comfort and encouragement and said this, maybe they wouldn't have the pain and the struggle in their life that they're having. Some older parents are just filled uh, with guilt. And I know uh, a lot of you in here, you have you know, what, what we just call mommy guilt. You just are filled with this mommy guilt. If I never measure up, you always feel like I'm too much of the wrong things and I'm never enough of the right things. And when we walk and we carry that guilt, when we don't address it, speak gospel truth into it, and we just allow it to sink us, uh, eventually it becomes crushing to us. So we have to know and we have to see, no matter where the guilt comes from, Jesus did not leave us to deal with our guilt on our own. And it's not good enough to just say, well, uh, when, of course he took care of the God-set standard uh, you know, type of sins, uh, but how, how, does he, how does he speak life and truth? And so the guilt, I feel, is by simply uh, ha- having this awareness of failure of these man-set standards that he hasn't even put on me. But w- when we see God does not leave us to deal with our guilt by ourselves, we start seeing incredible grace come out of him, grace that will actually free us. You know, in Psalm 130, uh, he, he, asks, he asks that question in verse three, but if you, O Lord, if you should mark iniquities, Oh, Lord, who could stand? And then he immediately after says, but with you, there is forgiveness. Colossians 2, 14, it says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 1 Peter 3 says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. He's saying, Christ also suffered once for sins, 
the innocent for the guilty. The innocent suffered for the guilty. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. God nailed our guilt to the cross and took care of it and canceled the debt that comes with it. That uh, Jesus became the guilty so that we could be absolutely innocent. When, uh, when we are in Christ, when God looks at us, it does not matter where your guilt's coming from. If it's a, a sin in the past that you have just simply not been able to get past, or it's just all these man-set standards that you've put on your, yourself, and you just feel guilty. Uh, when God looks at you, all he sees is his blameless, spotless, righteous, perfect pure son, Jesus. He doesn't see nothing else. When it says he canceled the record of death, it means it no longer exists. God erased them and they're no more. But here's where it's hard. A lot of times we know, we know, I know I'm forgiven by God. I know that it's for freedom that Christ set me free. I know that I'm free from my sin because of my faith in Christ. And we know we're free, but the problem is we don't actually feel free. You know, it's it's a very different thing to know. My theology tells me I'm free from my sin. And it's very different for our heart to actually feel free from the weight of our guilt and the bondage of our sin. We need to feel free from it. But here's what happens. Uh, Micah 7, 19 says, he will again have compassion on us and again and again and again. He will tread our iniquities underfoot and he will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. But Beth Moore says like this. She says, but the problem is many of us, we just keep going deep sea fishing and we keep grabbing and bringing up our forgiven sins from the depth and just bringing it to God again and again and again. They were not truly trusting that Jesus completed the work on the cross on our behalf. It's like our heart doesn't actually trust that his death was enough for us. So we know we're free, but we don't, our heart isn't trusting that we're free. We don't feel free. And we have to get to the spot where we know, man, when Jesus said, when he was on the cross with you in mind, with me in mind, and he said, it is finished, that he absolutely meant it, that it's finished, that the innocent just died for the guilty, and that the innocent became guilty so that us, the guilty ones, fully become innocent in every real way. That that's the way we are seen by God and that we can trust it. But we, in order to speak that, uh, in order to speak that into our own life, we have to know when we feel this guilt in our life, we have to know, man, is this good guilt that I need to uh, address Or is this bad guilt that I need to address? Because it's two very different gospel uh, messages and applications to our heart that we need, uh, depending on what we're wrestling with. So I I want to give us uh, just a a paradigm and a categories for us to think in so we know what is my heart actually struggling with? What's going on in my life that I need to apply uh, the gospel to? So we need to see that good guilt brings conviction that turns us towards God. Good guilt brings conviction that turns us uh, toward God. That's what good guilt does. It brings conviction that turns us to God. Bad guilt brings condemnation that turns us away from God. 
Bad guilt brings condemnation that turns us away from God. This is the main thing that differentiates the two. We have to know when is conviction happening in my life that's good for me, that awakens me and points me back to God, and when is condemnation happening in my life uh, that, uh, that really pulls me and turns me away from God. Uh, we have to identify. See, the Holy Spirit, he comes in with a loving voice. He comes in with a loving, convicting voice trying to point us uh, to God. Uh, my mom, she bought me, a, uh, she bought me my first car uh, when I was 16. Like I said, single mom, working two jobs, had no money whatsoever. She texted me one day, said, hey, I got a surprise. Come home. I had no idea what it was. I pull up. She opens, you know, it's like the dramatic thing. She opens the garage door. And uh, what it was was this like puke green 1995 Chevy Corsica. If you don't know what a Chevy Corsica is, that's the cars that are this wide that you can fit two into one parking space, okay? And now you would think that I would know, I was a Christian for like two years at this point, that I would have this recognition of, man, do you know how hard my mom just sacrificed for me and what the love she just poured into that? And you would think I just jumped up and said, you are the best and hugged her and, you know, was just ecstatic. What I did was go, oh. And she wept. Yeah, it was terrible. I was a terrible son. And she wept. And you know what? And honestly, I felt the convicting love of the Holy Spirit in that moment. I, I, I honestly, I was reminded of me. I, what I genuinely said to myself was, you jerk. I felt this convicting voice of the Spirit of God just saying, no, that is not who you are. You're a child of God who is filled with thanksgiving that your mom, just out of her love for you, just sacrificed like crazy for you. And you ought to be filled with thanks and celebration and honor her for what you just did. That response, that is not who you are. You're a child of God. That's what a convicting voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like uh, in our life. But that's the voice of conviction. A lot of times it's the enemy, it's people around us, and a lot of times ourselves that bring condemnation uh, with this bad guilt by accusing us of just not meeting these man-set standards. I want to make one thing really clear, because people, uh, they confuse their theology on this. Uh, one thing I want to make really clear is uh, God doesn't condemn us. Do you know God does not condemn us? He does not need to condemn us uh, in any way. He's not waiting around, waiting to throw rocks of condemnation at us. What the Bible tells us is that our sin condemns us. Uh, they, uh, King David says, no, I was born into sin. Uh, Romans 5, uh, it, it says that by one man's trespass, by one man's sin, we were all condemned. Our condemnation comes from our sin. We were born into it. We were born already standing condemned uh, in front of God. And that's why the, re- the next part in Romans 5, he says, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And John three seventeen, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God is not in the condemnation business. He came to clear us of our condemnation. So I says, when you're in Christ, 
uh, we are, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sin condemns us and the Father sent the Son to take care of our condemnation and then to give us his Holy Spirit so that we can have healthy conviction that turns us back to God. God is not looking at you ever uh, to throw condemnation on you. That's when we know, man, this is a voice of accusation that is not of the Lord. Uh, let me show you how this works. Conviction is specific. Condemnation is general. Conviction is specific. Condemnation is general. So conviction, it says, uh, it says no, you failed at this. It has that, that specific thing, a condemna- or conviction comes alongside you and says, no, you failed at this. And listen, that's not who you are. You're a child of God. This is what it looks like to walk in my ways. Uh, uh, what you did is not who you are. You're a child of God. This is where you failed. Let's get this and, and, and turn you back to God. Where condemnation just says, no, no, that's exactly who you are. You are a failure. Uh, you, you, uh, you're just not good enough. You are a failure. That's who you are. That's the difference of the voices of conviction and condemnation. The goal of conviction is to produce a hatred of sin in my life. The goal of conviction is to produce a hatred of sin in your life. But the goal of condemnation, condemnation wants to produce hatred of self in your life. You know, when you're feeling guilt, we need to ask ourselves, man, is this conviction that's producing a hatred of the sin in my life? And this is the voice of the Holy Spirit telling me, no, that's not you. This is who you are. You're a child of God. Or is this just a voice of condemnation who just wants to produce a hatred of self in our life and wants us to listen to voices of, you're just not good enough. That's exactly who you are. You are a failure. You will never measure up. So much of the guilt that we feel comes from this bad guilt. We fill our lives with these voice, just this voice of condemnation that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough spouse. I'm not good, en- I'm not good enough at my job. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not a good enough Christian. I know where a lot of our guilt comes from. It's just that sense and that feeling of, man, I'm just not a good enough parent. Uh, but uh, I want you to think about this. Uh, in the garden, here's what you had. You had the Garden of Eden. You had the perfect parent. God was the parent. Uh, he, you, you, know, you can't parent better than God. You know, he's the perfect parent. He put him in the Garden of Eden, which was a perfect environment. So you have a perfect parent in a perfect environment. And what was the result? The result was rebellious kids, okay? Perfect parent, perfect environment, and you still had rebellious kids. Parents, give yourselves a break. Give yourselves a break. Uh, One of my most, like, scarring, it's probably going to seem small to you, is huge for me, like, scarring childhood uh, memories. Uh, And it's the, the, the reason why I absolutely hate Christmas in every single way, except for bridge Christmas services. I feel like I should have to say that. Uh, I hate Christmas. I hate it in every single way. I hate hearing the music. I hate walking into the stores and it's everywhere. I hate Christmas. And it's because the first Christmas after my parents got divorced, my mom, who's always super thoughtful and amazing, you know, she gave me and my brother some money to buy each other a gift and to buy, you know, buy my dad a gift. You know, she's extremely thoughtful. Uh, well, that love was not reciprocated. Uh, and on, you know, Christmas morning, we, you know, my brothers and I were excited. We rip open all of our gifts. We're pumped. Like, what are we going to get? We open it all. You know, it's an awesome morning. And we look over and we realize, oh, my mom doesn't have anything. 
Nobody thought to get her anything. That was the first Christmas in her whole life that she never received anything of any kind. And her eyes just filled up with tears, and she just started to cry. And then obviously my brothers and I, we just felt like, oh my goodness, we just like, I cannot believe we did not think of her. And she wiped her tears, and she did what she felt like she was supposed to do. Uh, She was always like trying to be overly strong. And she just said, no, no, it's not a big deal. I should not be sad about this. I should not be bothered by this. You know, she, she felt an appropriate level of sadness for, for uh, a circumstance. But she did what so many of us do. She has this, uh, this glorified version of herself that she felt like she was supposed to live up to. So she just poured this false, bad guilt uh, and condemnation on herself of, man, I just can't believe I'm even sad about that. You know where... Uh, Uh, Good guilt, some conviction lied with us. Uh, But she had no reason to pour bad, false guilt on herself. And that's what so many of us do. We just have this man-set standard of, I'm just supposed to live up to this this, uh, uh, perfect, idolized version of things that I can't ever live up to. And so we just keep pouring pouring, uh, condemnation and guilt on ourselves. Uh, there's another uh, really deep theological truth that I'm probably, you've probably never heard of before. Uh, it's the simple fact that God does not make mistakes. Did anybody know that? God does not make mistakes. I, I, listen, you probably need to hear it again. I'm going to do that super annoying thing where you, I literally want you to say to your neighbor, God does not make mistakes. Okay, do that right now. God does not make mistakes. And listen, he made you, okay? God does not make mistakes, and yet he made you and he made me. He doesn't make mistakes, and in his wisdom and perfect knowledge, he decided you are worth creating just the way that you are. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, my son came home one day uh, from school, and he was just devastated. Uh, He was crying. You could tell he'd been very emotional. And I just said, oh, you know, you know what, what is wrong? And uh, a kid just said something mean and bad to him uh, that day at school, and he was just crushed by it. And I had two emotions. My first emotion was, who's that kid so I can utterly destroy them and crush them for all time? And then my other, my other, emotion, my other emotion was, was uh, my heart was just broken for, for my son. I just said, hey, what that kid said? That is not who you are. Do not listen to him. Do not listen to his voice. Listen to me. I know you. I love you. I care about you. This is who you are. Guys, this is how God feels when we listen to words of condemnation from others and from ourselves instead of listening to his voice. It breaks his heart when we pour bad guilt on ourselves day in and day out rather than listening to his voice. The only one who determines who we are is God who is perfect and decided to make you. We, we kill our guilt by believing the but God promises over the I'm not good enough voice of condemnation. That's how we kill the guilt. We have to choose to believe the but God promises over the voice, uh, the voice of, of you're not good enough uh, of condemnation. Uh, this is how it works. You know, when the enemy, he brings condemnation, he tells you, man, you're just not good. Like this sin in your life, you're a failure. That's just who you are. You're just not good enough. We get to believe and respond and confess, man, I was, uh, you're right, I was spiritually dead in my sin, 
But God, who is rich in mercy, has made me spiritually alive and given his Holy Spirit to help me. That sin is not who I am. But God, who is rich in mercy, he has made me spiritually alive. And when we're carrying the weight of guilt and you're hearing, you just aren't good enough. We get to believe and confess, you know, on my own, I'm not good enough. But God, through Christ in me, makes me not just good enough, he makes me more than a conqueror. He makes me justified. He makes me clean. He makes me pure. He makes me righteous. He makes me spotless and blameless. But God, through Christ Jesus, I am more than good enough in his sight. And because of Christ, I will never face condemnation. When your mommy guilt is at an all-time high because you just can't seem to do everything you think you're supposed to do all the time, you get to believe and confess, there are things I'm not going to be good at. There are things I'm not going to get done. But God has created me, crafted me, and called me to joyfully serve him in this specific way. And he did not make a mistake to do that. But God, the but God promises give life to our heart and free us from the weight of guilt and just the bondage of our sin. If you are in Christ, you have, you have to know I, you've been made by God, you've been chosen by God, you've been adopted by God, you have been called by God, and he has you just the way he wants you. He is not looking for you to be better to rid you of your guilt. He's not looking for you to be this idolized version of you. He's not looking for you to be super mom all the time. He's not looking for you to be the dad and the father and the husband that just has it together all the time. God isn't looking for any of those things. God is looking for us to believe and trust in his but God promises over the voice of condemnation that constantly speaks to us. You're just not good enough. You're just not enough. Faith expels our guilt because we stop looking to ourselves to be good enough and we just start trusting that Christ has been good enough on our behalf. That he is what we need. Not We don't need a better version of ourselves. We need Jesus. That's what we need. The end of Psalm 130, it says, People of God, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. There is nothing in your life that where his love that covers a multitude of sins, uh, his love will not fail to cover whatever is in your life that uh, fills you with guilt. It says, with him is full redemption. In every single area of your life, wherever the guilt comes from, the Bible is telling us, no, there's full redemption for those things. You don't have, you're not so bad where you have this special category where God covers everything else, but he doesn't cover that one thing in your life. He says, no, no, with me, there is full redemption that he himself will redeem his children from all their sins. He will throw everything into the depths of the sea to never be seen again as long as we will stop going deep sea fishing and trust God has this. He has made me clean and he's not looking for anything else from me except for me to turn to him and to my faith in in believing the but God promises that he is enough on my behalf. Church, we, uh, we get to turn to him in a way where we get to confess, you already nailed all my guilt to a cross. Help me not to just know I'm free, but to actually be free. There's not a person in here 
who doesn't have an opportunity to walk out of the doors today with a freedom in Christ where they don't just know they're free, that you can actually feel free by trusting in the completed work of Jesus for you. That's what God has for you. That's how you kill the guilt in your life. Let's go to, uh, to God in prayer. God, we, we thank you and we trust that you have already done the work to free us from our sin, to free us from our guilt, uh, that we know uh, just the stain that accompanies, uh, accompanies uh, our sin and the guilt and the shame. Uh, we know that you took care of that on the cross for us. Uh, God, may, may you, through your spirit, just help us trust in your unfailing love and that you have full redemption for every single person in this room, that there is nothing in their life that you won't wipe clean, that you won't forgive, that you won't cover in love. So God, I just pray uh, that our, everyone in here, we, we will rest our hearts in the completed work of Jesus on our behalf, that we are now innocent because the innocent was made guilty. May your spirit just help us, even as we go to sing. Uh, can we just confess to you? Can we just confess to you that you are all that we need? And thank you that you didn't just make us free, that you give us, by the help of your Holy Spirit, the power to feel free, knowing that we walk clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And when you see us, you just see the beauty of your son, Jesus and not the sin that once left a stain, but that you have wiped that clean, thrown it into the sea, never to be heard of again. And God, if there's anyone in here who's never put their faith and trust in you, God, I just pray, if they've always carried this guilt because they have never trusted you enough to give it to you, God, I pray that you you will comfort them with the love that knows your love covers a multitude of their sins that you are quick to forgive. You're slow to anger and you have an unfailing love for them. And God, may they just confess their sin to you. May they just beg that you will rid them of the guilt in their life so they stop feeling like they are sinking and being crushed under the weight of it. And they will feel a freedom and a peace and a joy that only Christ can give. God, we pray this in your precious son, Jesus' name. We love you. Amen.